This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Katherman. I'm Robbie the Intern. Woohoo! You know, Robbie the Intern, we really ought to put you to work. You should have brought donuts today or something. I yes, did, seriously. I did make a pot of coffee. Hey, true. Okay. Robbie the Intern yeah. did make Credit a pot of coffee. coffee. Hey, our guest is staring at us like we're idiots. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to have our guest back in the studio again today. We have Eric Johnson with us. Maybe you heard our previous podcast with Eric. Eric is the author of Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a practical and comprehensive guide Woo. to what the Bible teaches. Take, I, another, hey, take another swing at that. I, Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Eric Johnson <laughs> is the author of Introducing Christianity to the Mormons, a practical and comparative guide to what the Bible teaches. And he's a lot better at bigger words than I am because he's an author. So welcome, <laughs> Eric, to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I'm stoked because in the last podcast, we had to talk about uh, the overview. So everybody had a good introduction to what the book is. But I've been reading the book. And and I really, really appreciate how the book actually leads into how to have a conversation about the essentials of the Christian faith. And it's not just so I'm getting ready to teach a systematic theology class to the church where I pastor. And it's not, you know, so I have in my hand this uh, Wayne Grudem's Christian beliefs, 20 basics for every that every Christian should know. And that does have some peripherals end times things, things on angels, demons, whatever, but there are some key essential pieces. And that's what we see in Eric's book. And so I love that you're dealing with the things that all the Christians should know too. And so when we read this, some of the issue when people are afraid to talk with Mormons is they might not know what they believe about the essential issues themselves. And this is actually saying, well, here's really the big pieces of Christianity that we need to know. And Here's how you discuss this with somebody who comes at this from a different perspective and has some different beliefs because they're Mormons, members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. By the way, if you're LDS and you're listening to this and you hear us saying Mormon, go back, listen to the other podcast. Eric talked about that. We're going to probably just refer to Mormon. It's a shorter, shorter deal. Eric, if it's okay, if you'd be up for this, I'd like to get a little, little nerdy here and talk through a theological concept or idea. We'll pick one from your from your book. And and just kind of talk through what that looks like so that the listener can get a feel for kind of how your book feels. I could read some quotes here and there, but I really like the heart that's here of 40 years of experience, knowing, talking with, ministering, caring for, evangelizing to, arguing with Mormons. Like there's a, there's a heart here that we don't find in a lot of the other books, and it just comes out of your life. And I want to talk about it in that sort of way. Are you okay with that? Oh, absolutely. Are you okay if we go with like chapter one and two? Yeah, uh, I really like uh, Jesus, Savior of his people. That's a great chapter. I really like, uh, I certainly like the one on the Trinity because that's complicated and you simplify, which is amazing because that's a complicated issue for Christians also. And you simplify in how to communicate that. But I think it'd be helpful just to talk about the Bible, the first two chapters, if you're good with that. Yeah. Okay. So, so for starters, um, help our listeners understand why you open with chapters one and two with the Bible. Like uh, why there and not the Trinity or something else? When somebody is asking questions about what it, what it is we believe, who's a Latter-day Saint, or they've left the church, they still seem to own Joseph Smith's 13 articles of faith, the eighth article of faith, 
that he put together and it's found in the LDS scripture called the Pearly Great Price is that the Bible is true as far as it is translated correctly. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Latter-day Saints who will argue against the Bible and bring out Bart Erdman's, uh, uh, who's an atheist, uh, his his arguments against the Bible. They'll bring out contradictions in the Bible or, or even uh, the telephone game. They bring those things out and I say, but don't you hold to the Bible being true? Well, if a Latter-day Saint is willing to argue against the Bible in such a way, how do you think it is when somebody thinks about leaving the church, uh, they're going to have a negative view of the Bible. So for me to be able to have a conversation with anyone, and I don't have anything to offer them except what the Bible teaches, because it is God's special revelation. So it becomes mere opinion if I say, well, here's what I think. And I start telling you what I think God is about, who Jesus is about, without being able to use the Bible. I have to win the right to use the Bible to show that it is accurate, that it is trustworthy, that it is profitable. As 2 Timothy 3.16 says, it's profitable for us to teach from and to reproof and to uh, train in righteousness. These are these, This is what the Bible is to us. If the Bible is not true, then let's just throw it away. But if it is true, then I think we need to have a reckoning with it. So I, I spent two chapters on it more than any other topic because I think uh, the Christian first has to have a good grasp on why the Bible is something that we should be able to use. We should use that with authority and not back down, not let the Latter-day Saint tell us that we can't because of those uh, ex excuses. And I, again, as I said in the last show, we gotta get rid of the straw man arguments. They will bring things out that are not true. They have never had them corrected because they've been talking to their Mormon friends, but they need to be corrected on those false views to understand how important the Bible is to us. Let's cover a super super nerdy one-off real quick question. So it sounds like you're an inerrantist. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so for all the theological nerds, like, okay, I'm glad he clarified that. Everyone else is like, what does that mean? You want to tell us real quick? Well, <laughs> And I am I'm, too, by the way, and everybody else on the podcast and the podcast in itself and all of our guests. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. The Bible, as it was originally written, uh, contains God's word for mankind today, and it is trustworthy. Now, certainly there's little blips when it comes to the transmission of the text, but and, and so we're going to have to deal with that as to which texts are the most accurate. We put it all together, but we have over 5,000 Greek manuscripts. We have 24,000 total manuscripts in other languages. We've got the Dead Sea Scrolls to help us with the Old Testament. We have so much evidence to, to get back to what uh, what the autographs, if you will. We don't have the autographs, but but we, we have enough to go back to to say definitively this is what was written, and we believe that this was special revelation given by God, written through men. Uh, they weren't automatic writers. They wrote using their own uh, style, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that's what makes inerrancy what it is, because we believe that God inspired these writers to write what he wants us to know. So how are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to think? But that's very clearly what the Bible teaches. But it sounds like, but it sounds like when you're having conversations with Mormons, when I'm having conversations with Mormons, that's not what the Mormon view would be. That's kind of what you're you're saying yeah. here. Yeah, no, it's not because that article eight, and so they use the word translated correctly. They don't really mean translated in the sense of one language to the other. 
They're talking about transmission of the text, how it came to us one after the other. These corrupt priests who got in there, they say, and changed what was written, erasing or adding to the, the Bible. Well, again, when we look at what's called textual criticism, when we go and we take a look at where these texts came from, that's not true. We have whole Bibles going back to the fourth century, New Testament I'm talking about. And then when we go to the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have we have the whole book of Isaiah, for instance, 125 BC, 125 years before Christ. And yet it has those prophecies such as Isaiah 53. If you're going to find one book that's a complete form, uh, and we didn't have anything before the Masoretic text from 900 AD, I would choose Isaiah for all the power of who is God. Isaiah 43.10, that there is no God before or after God. Isaiah 44.6 and 8, God knows of no other gods. Those things contradict Mormonism. And yet this is in a, a, a manuscript from 125 BC. You got to be kidding me. God allows us to get these glimpses of the evidence for what God has written. And it's not just something I have to say, um, the Bible told me so, and so I believe, you know, my parents told me when I was little kids. No, I can say I definitively believe the Bible is a true book written by uh, godly men over uh, a 1,500-year period, uh, 39 different uh, Old Testament books, and, and we have 27 in the New Testament, 66 books, and each one telling the same story about how God loves people. And we I can mean, go see it. We can go see the manuscripts. Yeah, absolutely. Through. I saw the Dead Sea Scrolls when they were traveling. I've I see mostly pictures of the really really old manuscripts. I don't get to handle them, touch them, you know, whatever. But we can see these things. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I go to Israel every year, sometimes two or three times a year, taking people. I've taken over five hundred people to Israel. We always go to the Israel Museum where the Dead Sea Scrolls are housed in the Shrine of the Book, it's called. We can see the artifacts in the Israel Museum. But one of the special things I do is I take people up to Cave One, where the <laughs> first scrolls were discovered. It's up a hill. I have an archaeologist friend, my friend Joel Kramer, and he'll join me for three days whenever I take a group. And uh, we walk up into that cave where... where uh, Back in 1947, a shepherd boy uh, discovered these manuscripts, and we found all but one of the uh, books of the Bible represented at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, I mean, again, an amazing discovery. Those are the kinds of things we find in Israel regularly. Every year they're finding something. It's like, whoa, can you believe what we just found? Another thing that seems to authenticate the uh, the Bible as being uh, authentic in its uh, history and in its archaeology uh, these are real people, real places describing real events. I mean, how much better can you get? The Mormon doesn't have that because he doesn't even know where the Book of Mormon took place. Did it take place in North America, as Glenn Beck would say, or did it take place in Central America, as many of the BYU scholars say? They can't show you artifacts except for the Aztec and Mayan ruins. Well, that those aren't Lamanites, the ancient people of the uh, the Book of Mormon. Those are Aztec and Mayans. So they have nothing to show. Whereas when we go to Israel, we, and I'm going to be taking people here in a few weeks to Turkey, Greece, and Italy to show all the things from the New Testament. Amazing information we have to be able to help us understand that this Bible is trustworthy to be believed. And I'm going to believe in it uh, compared to not believing in it because the evidence certainly seems to show that I have good reason to believe in it. I'm going to, I'm going to derail us, but 
you know, for all the climbers out there, do you ever take people to, I don't know the cave number, but the one you got to dangle down on the ropes, it's on the side of the cliff. You ever go to that on the tour? No. Well, that's, <laughs> you're talking about cave four, which you, there can it is. See, you can see that from the village It's called Kerbet Qumran, where the, where the um, Essenes live. So it's a great view of that, but you have to climb through a hole down into it. It's, uh, but th that's an it's interesting uh, cave. Because that cave, there were more manuscripts found than anywhere else. That um, it, it was, uh, in fact, the the uh, shepherds found it. The, the Bedouin shepherds found it first and raided it, but they didn't realize there was a second level. When the archaeologists got into it and they realized it, they broke open a hole, and we found literally hundreds of pieces of the Bible. Actually, thousands of pieces of about uh, five different, five hundred different. Uh, books i mean it's just crazy what they found in cave four so you Which, can see that when you go there to israel nerd talk that's so fantastic about that is it just validates that what we have is still highly accurate to something that hasn't been touched for over or around two thousand years yeah absolutely. i mean why what a validation which is so fascinating, and, and I'd love to go and see it myself. But what I guess I want to know is, is how do I share this with my neighbor? Is there a simple way to kind of share this? I feel like if I grab my neighbor and I said, hey, get in the car. I'm going to go dangle you in front of a cave. He might call the cops. Or, or go into all, all the all the inerrancy discussion. Yeah, I mean, how do I have a conversation with my neighbor about all this history and all the facts that we have on the Bible? What's this, an easy this is way seminary to... students having a nerd talk right now. Yeah. How, how do non-seminary students talk to their neighbor when they're mowing the lawn and their Mormon neighbor says, hey, and they get into this conversation? conversation with the Bible or whatever. How do we actually talk about this? Here's a question you can ask. Have you ever read a modern translation of the Bible? Because they read the King James. That can be very difficult. If I were to, they say, well, I've never read a modern translation. Well, you can get them online, BibleGateway.com and other places. But what if I were to give you a copy of the Bible in a modern translation? And I want you to have your King James open but read it, and I think you might understand more. Would you be real, willing to read the book of John, for instance? Would you be willing to read the book of Romans or Galatians? I would love to give you a book like this, the Bible, if you would be willing to read it as a little child. That's what Micah Wilder, we mentioned him in the last show, was told by a Christian pastor. It changed his life. He read the New Testament over 20 times during his two-year mission, and he couldn't help but become a Christian based on the teaching that he saw. I don't think a lot of Latter-day Saints have read it. So I would not get into a discussion necessarily right off the top on the Dead Sea Scrolls or the uh, <laughs> other evidence. I would just say... Would you be willing to read it, especially if you're starting to question some of the things your leaders are, are talking about, because you should not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, you got burned if, if you're leaving the church or you have left the church. The, religion has a way of doing that. But uh, you, would you like to understand what biblical Christianity teaches? Well, we go straight to the Bible. I think that would be a great conversation starter. Would they be willing to go out to lunch with you and ask you questions about what they read in the book of John? 21 days, they could read one chapter a day and they could finish. And I, I think that there's going to be some great things you could talk about from a gospel such as John. Eric, with uh, with your experience with that and asking that question, have you ever had anyone say no? As far as the Bible, reading the yeah. Bible, reading a different yeah, translation. Re stuff. Yeah, reading the different translation. I was shocked. I, I like to go evangelize outside BYU football games. I stand across the street. I like to hand out a book called The Miracle of Forgiveness. I talk about that in Chapter 7 and Justification. I ran out of books. I had brought about 15 of them and I ran out and all I had left were about 15 New Testaments. I like to give out when I'm having a conversation. I decided I'm going to try this new strategy. This was just last year. 
free copy of the New Testament in a modern language. I think every Latter-day Saint ought to read it. In 10 minutes, I handed out all 15. They wow. said, yeah, I'd like to see what this is. Wow. So it's not a strategy I've really, I, I haven't really crafted that one yet. Uh, I actually ended up buying another box of New Testaments, but that's a way I think maybe that would be a great way to do evangelism, offering these out on the street. Um, the book that I hand out is a little controversial, but it gets me into great conversations. But handing out the Bible, I ended up getting in some really good conversations, even in the 10 minutes, real short. And it ended with the last guy, probably lasted about a half hour, and we talked about the Bible. So, well, did, did that get so, you into some translation conversations, like kind of like what we were just having at all? That were making uh, quite you as know, money, but you know, um, not really. And uh, I think, uh, but if you get into in depth with a lot of Latter Day Saints, uh, many of them are going to say, "Well, you know, the Bible's true as far as it's translated correctly." Now you've got your opening. Say, "Well, what do you mean when you say translated?" There you go. And then you, you you work off of that. So I think asking them questions could get you into a conversation. But knowing this background information when they ask you these things so that you will have an answer for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have is First which, Peter 3.16. Which says. Christians should be able to do. That's they, scriptural. That's right. I have a I have a question, Eric. Um, on the last podcast, you know, we talked a little bit 30,000 foot view of your book. And I'm really excited to read it. At the time of this recording, it's it hasn't quite released yet. Um, but we talked last but time. But I got a copy. <laughs> Brian has a copy. We won't let it go. <laughs> so Sorry, go ahead. But last time we talked about how verbiage changes over time, right? Mormons are not Mormons anymore. It's the Church of Latter-day Saints. My daughter is in high school, and she's come home really frustrated over, you know, arguments of, hey, we're the same. Is yeah. this book really theological and geared for adults, or is it something I could give my high school daughter that help her share the gospel? Hey, and hey Eric, let me speak to this so it's coming from me and not the author. A high school student could read this book. It is not written in a complicated way. It is accessible. And so regardless of maybe the, what Eric's going to say about the content, it is a readable book. It is easy. It wouldn't be overwhelming for a high school student. Okay, go ahead, Eric. Sorry. I yeah, just listen, to Josiah, I, I think it's a great question you're asking, and I think Brian's absolutely correct. I, I taught high school students for 17 years. I taught juniors, apologetics. I dealt with hard issues. We talked about the possibility there was no God. We talked about when bad things happen to quote unquote good people. Uh, we dealt with all those issues. And you know what? I think we don't give teenagers enough credit for how much they think and how much they know. I think we demean them by saying, well, you couldn't understand this. I think we need to because we're losing too many of our high school students. They, they graduate and what the stats say, over 80% uh, lose their faith. They don't go to church anymore and they just throw the whole thing away. I think a book like this would be perfect for somebody who's a thinker, who wants to just basically grab on to what is it that we believe as Christians? And somebody could debate me on some of the things, and that's fine, but these are essential issues. And I made it so that, that there were not uh, peripheral issues that would get in the way. I'm not talking about how often we take communion or when we get baptized. Those are great in-house debates. I'm more interested on who is God, who is Jesus, what is the resurrection all about? How do we receive salvation? And after we become a Christian, now what do we do? Chapter 10 can, talks yeah. about going to you know going to get finding the church you know we, we you know these are some of the things that i think every christian needs to know to be able to explain what it is that christianity teaches okay so i don't want to speak disparagingly of any of our christian brothers and sisters or churches around the country um but 
there are numerous churches that wouldn't be too difficult to find where if you were to survey and maybe maybe the church where I attend, certainly not the church where Eric attends, but maybe the church where I pastor, you could find people who struggle themselves, Christian people, professing Christians, biblical professing Christians, who've even read the Bible and, and participate in small groups and do things, who struggle with these topics. Yeah. Who struggle with these topics. So um, I'm just going to put a, a suggestion in there to Josiah's question about the high school students. This is a really good way to have a conversation with a high school student about the Trinity and about yeah. our, like, even though it is geared towards how do I speak to somebody who might kind of have the Bible in their head, might kind of say they believe in Jesus. Maybe they totally do, but they don't understand. Or you could almost say there's a sense of a, talking to, and again, not trying to be disparagingly speaking, but a nominal Christian, one who's kind of partially there or a Mormon, they actually in many ways have a lot in common when it comes to Christianity. I understand just enough, but maybe not really the essentials. So what a great opportunity to say, hey, let's, I mean, here's how we would converse to our neighbors or somebody who comes knocking on the door. However, we probably ought to really know this ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think what's here in these chapters is like a systematic theology of the essentials. I think so. Second Timothy 2.15 says we're supposed to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts chapter 17, the Bereans, they were called most noble. Why? Because they opened up their Bible and they checked out Paul out of all people to see if what he was teaching was the truth, uh, much more than the Thessalon uh, Thessalonians did. Uh, so, so I think Unfortunately, in the 21st century, we have lost the ability to think and study. We become, uh, uh, with our with the internet available, with our cell phones, uh, a lot of people don't know how to think anymore. They don't have they don't have just a quiet time to process things. I think we as Christians need to do that, but we do need to be training. I think from elementary school all the way through, I mean, I think we should have an education program. It shouldn't just be fun little story flannel graph time. I think we need to answer their real questions and get them to own their own faith before they graduate from high school or we're going to lose them. And same with the people in our congregation, because if they don't own their own faith and they just go because it's convenient or socially acceptable, then I think that uh, when the hard times come, they're going to run away. The Bible offers the truth, and we need to know what that Bible teaches and be able to study it for ourselves. Amen. Hey, before we run out of time, uh, I would ask, hey, what's next? except the book hasn't even released yet. So I know that what's next is I got to figure out how to sell these books. <laughs> I get that. Uh, and I don't know if you, do you have like, I mean, what's your, do you have book tours set up? Are you going to speak in places? If a church wanted to have you come and speak or what, how, what's, what's this look like? Oh, I would love to um, take the book. I have five different PowerPoints on the things from this book to be able to share with people. And I'm antsy to do that. Uh, um, so yeah, if anybody wants to uh, contact me at eric, E-R-I-C at mrm.org and you would like to have us come. If you live in Utah, especially, I mean, it doesn't require overnight stays, but yeah, I want to get out and, and be able to share that. We'll be going to a few places this uh this fall. And I'm hoping next year to be able to, it come, the book comes at an odd time. It comes at the end of the year in September and usually speaking shuts down right before Thanksgiving. So I don't have a whole lot of time to work with, but uh, yeah, I, I want to get this into the hands of as many people as possible because I want Christian ambassadors who know what they're talking about to be able to effectively share with Latter-day Saints Christianity in a way that a Latter-day Saint could understand. Well, our listeners are familiar with Jared Jenkins. He's been on 
he's been on a lot. He was one of the hosts for a long time. He's at another church here in Utah, and he told me that you came out, did an evangelism type training in regard to the focus of this book. He said it was absolutely excellent. He said it was it was fantastic. So just there's a there's a a unsolicited. I don't even have permission to share his recommendation, so I might hear from him. But there's there's Jared's take. I had heard there's a there's a rumbling of hey, this is great that I've heard here locally. And so, but you'd be willing to travel if you needed to travel or oh, someone. Absolutely. And now I'm going to have to pay off Jared. I, I, you know, he's going to have to get a stipend for me somehow you, on that. You don't so. have to pay off Jared. We've done him plenty of favors. He owes us. <laughs> he does. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, Joe, give us the nuts and bolts of the book. Yeah. And- so once again, it's introducing Christianity to Mormons, a practical and comparative guide to what the Bible teaches uh, on Amazon right now. It's 1799 for the paperback, Fourteen forty nine for Kindle, and if you pre-order it, this title is going to release on September thirteenth. So if you pre-order like I did, it'll be on your doorstep that day. So and it's it's not just Amazon; it's wherever books are sold. Right, you got a pretty good distribution going. Yeah, I mean ChristianBooks.com. It's on uh, it's on BarnesandNoble.com. It's available here. Are you selling it through your website or MRM? Is it available in any, either of we, those? We haven't made it available yet. We're um, we're trying to raise some support for our summer slump. And so people who give $100 to our ministry, people who know who we are, uh, we're offering an autographed uh, copy. Well, uh, okay, signed. Ta- time out. Hold on. You yeah. said to those people, but how about to the people who listen to the podcast? How does this I would work? love to do Where that. Where do you if, go? How does it yeah, work? Yeah, you just go to mrm.org slash donate. If you give a hundred dollars or more, we will send you a copy that week. And if, if I don't know when this is airing, but before September 13th, you'll get your copy before anybody else. So that's kind of the prestige, but I'll sign it to you. And uh, we're just uh, trying to raise some support here, but we, yeah, we, we want this book to get into people's hands. And this book is not about money. Uh, all money that is made on, it goes back to our ministry. I don't receive a penny back. That's how I like doing it because and that's, that's the one MRM, of the criticisms. The MRM, MR, ministry, Mormonism right? Research Ministry, and we, there's not a lot of money in books. Let me just tell you that right now. For all the hours that I put into this over two years, uh, pennies per hour perhaps, but I, I'm not doing it for the money, doing it because I think this resource is something that will be valuable for the church. So I'll just I'll just throw my own you know thing out there. We get calls once in a while from our partner churches, churches from the Bible Belt, churches from other places saying, hey, can you help us with this? Can we do a Zoom in with you? And I usually go, I'm probably not the guy. Uh, Yeah, my wife was formerly LDS. Yes, I live in it. I've ministered full time in it for 12 years. We've done lots of podcasts about being here in the heart of Mormonism in Utah, things of that nature. But it is not my chief ministry, but it is Eric's chief ministry. So I would encourage if you're listening and you've thought about that, Contact Eric Johnson. He's given his email, MRM, go to the website. I would just say that's a that sounds like a really good avenue. And by the way, Eric's not paying us either for promoting the book because there's only pennies in the book. He doesn't have the promotion budget for that. <laughs> but I really, I really value what was there. I'm probably going to have all the mission teams that are coming out to work with us use this now. I've used a different book in the past. I'll probably make this switch because it is that helpful and that informative. So that that's my recommendation and referral. Um, and I, I stand by it, but, uh, anyway, I hope that helps. I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate that, Brian. And now I'm going to owe you too. I, our budget is going to go empty by the time I'm done with you guys. I'll make you a deal, Eric. We're trying to start. We used to have a lot of people on the podcast. We were interviewing a lot. Maybe what we'll do is we'll have you come back and do a few episodes. We'll do a series, maybe just going through some of the chapters or some of the five things you're talking about. We'll figure something out. I'd love to do that. Let's do it. 
Awesome. That sounds good. Any other thoughts from you, Robbie? Uh, Robbie, the intern. Rob, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm good. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for the pot of coffee, Robbie. You're so welcome. <laughs> Any final thoughts from you, Eric? Well, uh, as you mentioned, you can get it online. Uh, you can uh, uh, go to our website, mrm.org. We have lots of of uh, articles and uh, videos, as well as a podcast called uh, Viewpoint on Mormonism. Uh, also for the book, we have a website, introducingchristianity.com. There's some bells and whistles there. There's discussions, questions at the end of each of the chapters with some possible answers on that website and some other things. There's a video as well for the book on that. On that. So the people cycle. that just heard that listen to podcasts, so we know they like podcasts, or we would assume so. So therefore, the podcast was Viewpoints on Mormonism, and just tell the readers kind of how long the podcast is. Yeah, give us thank you. Thank you. It's 14 minutes in length. We have over 3,000 cataloged shows available on the on uh, mrm.org slash podcast. Uh, but uh, every every week we have five new ones. 14 minutes, we cut right to the issue. We usually do about a five-part over a week series, and we try to hit the cutting edge issues in that podcast. That's outstanding. Awesome. Well, like Brian said, we didn't get paid for this prod podcast. We just really appreciate Eric and all the work that you do. We love your ministry. So go out, pick up this book. You're not going to regret it. Introducing Christianity to Mormons. Thanks again, Eric. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.